Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You are listening to the Qalam podcast Hurdle series, a study of Imam Ghazali's Minhajul Abidin by Sheikh Mikail Ahmed Smith. Jazakallah khair for your continued support, and we pray that this is beneficial. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Bismillahi walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. So, inshallah, today we're going to be talking about Al-Aqabatu Sabi'ah, the seventh hurdle that Imam Al-Ghazali, rahmahullahu ta'ala, from the fifth century, that he mentions in his book that y'all have been going through here, Minhajul um, Abidin. And this was the last book that Imam Al-Ghazali, rahmahullahu ta'ala, wrote in his life, the last book that is properly attributed to him. And this seventh hurdle that he mentions here is also the very last hurdle that he mentions. He says this is the finality of this study and this discussion, this understanding of how we can reach paradise and what are the things that we need to be mindful of, cautious about, careful in regards to on our path to paradise. And before we get into it, and Imam al-Ghazali, rahmahullahu ta'ala, he's dissected the conversation really profoundly. Um, and I'll try not to, you know, get into the weeds too much and make it too technical. But I wanted to start off with just a little exercise. And just to conceptualize what we're going to be talking about here today. So, if you have a friend or even a family member, and they come into town, and you loan them your car, all right? You're like, you're here for a few days, you've got a lot of things to take care of around town, I don't want you to have to be waiting for rides, I don't want you to have to Uber around, so just take my car. And three days later, the person returns the car, and when they return the car, the gas is empty, okay? There's, I forgot what it's called. There's a good word for it. Where the rim is like scratched on the side. Curb rash, that's the word. <laughs> Curb rash, okay? You notice that on your nice new slick tires, right? Um, the gas is empty, like I said. There's food wrappers all over the passenger seat, okay? Um, there's empty, you know, drink bottles or water bottles in the back seat. You know, when you finish a water bottle, you just toss it back, right? Like it magically disappears, right? Um, and it's just a mess. And the person just leaves it out in front of your house. Maybe they had to go to the airport while you were at work. So they leave it there. They drop the keys in your mailbox like you told them to, and that's it. They're gone. You come back home, you go look at your car, and you're trying to figure out what just happened, right? Did somebody break into the car after they dropped it off and then had lunch and took a nap? You know, what, what exactly happened here? And that's it, right? There's no message from the person saying thank you, appreciate it. They obviously are not showing their appreciation how they treated your car, Okay. They're not, you know, texting you or calling you to say thank you or appreciate you at all. Just nothing. In fact, you initiate the conversation because you're a little bit kind of bothered by it, right? I'm a petty person, right? So I'm just going to be like, salam, <laughs> right? Wa alaikum salam. Did you get home okay? Yeah. I'm like, what's happening here? What kind of weird experience am I having? And the very basic question is this. The next time that person comes into town, are you going to offer them your car? Honestly. Not. Right? There might be an Uthman anhu somewhere here who says, I would do it for the sake of Allah. Most people are not going to. Okay? And that right there is the basic fundamental concept of when you receive a blessing 
when someone is good to you, when you receive a blessing, you owe this sense of appreciation and gratitude. And that we're going to talk about what that gratitude looks like, but that's, that understanding is something that we all grasp. We all feel it. We all sense it. We all know it. And in the absence of that, think about how you feel. Just as you're thinking of that example, and maybe you have an experience like that in your life, think about how that makes you feel. So, this is the concept that Imam Ghazali, rahmallahu ta'ala, is introducing to us here today. And this is, hamdi wa shukr, The hurdle of gratitude and thanks. That it's kind of like the idea that, you know, again, to use a very common example, you know, the, this is a common understanding that people in different lines of work and business have, especially if you, um, you know, have like a retail business or you run an eating establishment, a restaurant, right? You'll always hear the bad reviews. You'll always see the bad reviews. Anyone who has any kind of a complaint will make sure that you hear it, but you won't always hear the positive feedback. You won't always hear the positive things that people have to say. Because it's very easy to take things for granted. And that's what Imam Ghazali is going to unpack for us here. That when you are on the path to Allah, and you're putting one foot in front of the other, and things are starting to go well, things are starting to make sense, things are happening, things are moving in the right direction, your life is coming into order, you finally are figuring out your deen, your religion, your spirituality, you've been regular about salah for some time, you're making time to read Qur'an, you're even coming to the halaqa regularly, things are going well. Do we stop at that time and reflect on how good things are going, and then turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and just say thank you. That's it. Because we all turn to Allah, we all knock that door when things are bad. When we need something. But are we talking to Allah? Are we connecting to Allah? Are we going to Allah when things are going well? When things are good? And I've used some of these commonplace examples of our interactions with each other. Of course, it should just be stated for the record, nothing compares to Allah. Nothing compares to God. For Allah is the most exalted of examples. But still, it's important for us to reflect and to think and challenge ourselves. And so, now gratitude. We have to learn to be grateful. That's the final step. That's the final hurdle that we have to overcome, is develop gratitude within ourselves. And so Imam Ghazali, he takes this very interesting kind of approach. It's got some emotional elements to it as well, but he's approaching this very logically. Let, let's understand, why should you be grateful? So he's saying number, there are two things. Number one, you should be grateful because that's how you keep your blessings. The blessings you already have, the way you keep them, the way you maintain them, is by being grateful. And number two, that is how you increase your blessings. The way you increase your blessings is by being grateful. There's a fascinating um, statement of the companions and some of the early generations, like Umar bin Abdul Aziz, he has this fascinating statement. He says, And this comes from another statement where they said, That blessings slip away very easily. Blessings are very hard to contain. Awabid is such a fascinating word. It's a word that in classical Arabic, they used it to describe an undomesticated animal. Like an animal that is, it's not in its nature to be domesticated. We're not talking about a dog. Okay, but it's more of an animal that's used to living free. 
that blessings are like that kind of a free wild animal. And the way that you contain it is by being grateful to Allah. And if you're not grateful, they will slip away. You won't even realize what happened until after the fact. And so, but the way you maintain your blessings is by being grateful to Allah. Allah gives us an example in the Quran of the people of Mecca. Okay? Let's take a real quick historical look at the city of Mecca. Okay? The city of Mecca, which the Quran call, you know, calls it Ummul Qura. It is the mother of all towns and cities. It's the most ancient place in the world. It's the, first, it, the masjid there, Masjid al-Haram, the Kaaba, was the first place of worship established on the earth. So Mecca was very blessed and protected by Allah. Ibrahim, alayhi salam, he came there, he made dua. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this, the well of Zamzam, the spring of Zamzam shoot out there. An unlimited supply of water in the middle of the desert. And Allah brought a population there who were very gentle, very sophisticated, very um, just people of beautiful character. They were the people of Yemen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make things easier for the people of Yemen. They were the people, that's why the Prophet said, Al-Imanu Yamani. Faith is a Yemeni trait. Wal-Hikmatu Yamaniya. Wisdom is a Yemeni trait. It's a characteristic of those people. So Allah brought the people of Yemen there and they settled there and they built a beautiful community and Allah gave them the Kaaba, Masjid Haram, the most sacred place on earth. Allah provided an unlimited supply of water to them in the middle of the desert. If you go to Mecca and you just go even, even today, after all the development and all the civilization that's there, if you go further out, if you go far out enough, you're in such a severe, harsh part of the desert. The mountains, you see on the mountains, even the, the, the boulders on the mountains are scorched by the sun and the heat. It's brutal. It's unforgiving. But Allah gave them an endless supply of water and a community and a population and the most sacred place on earth. Allah blessed them so much. And many, many prophets, most pro many prophets passed through there. In fact, we were just covering a narration in Sahih Bukhari class that Hud, alayhi salam, the Prophet Hud, after his people rejected him and they were perished, they were destroyed by Allah, Hud, alayhi salam, was told by Allah to leave there and he came and he retired in Mecca and he lived out the rest of his days in Mecca. Such a blessed place, such a beautiful place. So much so that the year the Prophet was born, what happened earlier that year? Amul Fil, it's called. The year of the incident regarding the elephants. That an army with tanks at the front of it, elements, they were the tanks of the ancient world. An army, unlike anything that region had ever seen, marched in there ready to raise Mecca to the ground, destroy it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected it miraculously, Surah Al-Feel. Allah sent a just not just even a swarm or a flock, a horde. The entire sky became darkened with birds. And they launched down these pellets that eviscerated that entire army. That's how Allah protected Makkah. Allah, Ibrahim salam made dua. And so what happened? All the way up to the time of the Prophet Makkah, nothing grows there. Nothing is produced there. They have no natural resources. But what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it the hub and the center of the world so that everyone from everywhere else brings all their resources to Makkah. So blessed. Okay? But then what does Allah say about them in the Quran in Surah Al-Nahl, Surah number 16? Allah says, وَضَرَبَ اللَّهُ مَثَلًا قَرِيَةً كَانَتْ آمِنَةً مُطْمَئِنَّةً That Allah is giving you the example of this town. They... This town was a believing town. It believed in Allah. It was devout. It was dedicated to Allah. Allah would provide for them from all over the world. But they stopped appreciating. They were ungrateful for the blessings of Allah. 
They became ungrateful. They started taking this for granted. And they became ungrateful. And then Allah put hunger, poverty, and Allah put fear upon them because of their actions. So when a person is not grateful, they forfeit the blessings of Allah. It's a surefire way to lose the blessings of Allah. So inversely, the surefire way to maintain the blessings of Allah is to be grateful to Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Ibrahim, أَلَمْ تَرَى إِلَى الَّذِينَ بَدَّلُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ كُفْرًا The people who respond to the blessings of Allah with ingratitude, look what Allah did to them. وَأَحَلُّوا قَوْمَهُمْ دَارَ الْبَوَارِ They ended up in ruin. جَهَنَّمَ يَسْلَوْنَهَا وَبِئْسَ الْقَرَارِ And they ultimately will end up in the fire of hell. That's the worst place a person can end up. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. Now number two. So we talked about maintaining your blessings. That you have to be grateful. Gratitude. The second thing is that gratitude will also help you increase your blessings. حُسُولُ زِيَادَةً that's how you attain more, greater blessings. That is a theme that Allah talks about very frequently within the Qur'an. لَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ If you are grateful, Allah says, Allah promises, Indeed, certainly, undoubtedly, I will increase you, Allah says. If you are grateful, I will increase you. And in another place in the Qur'an, Specifically, something that we're going to key in and we're going to talk about, and that is amongst all the blessings, it's very important to think about and to focus on the spiritual blessings that we have, the spiritual blessings that we enjoy. When I am able to pray Salat al-Isha, I need to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this. It was a practice of the Prophet When he would conclude his prayer, he would do istighfar three times, and then he would say, Alhamdulillah. He would thank Allah for the ability to be able to worship Him. Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ اهْتَدَوْ زَادَهُمْ هُدًا People who act on the guidance that Allah has given them, people who act on the good they know, they do the good that they are capable of right now, Allah increases them in guidance. Allah gives them the ability to do more. I still remember my teacher was explaining this my sheikh was explaining this, and he was answering a question that some people had. And this is a very common kind of uh, thought process that's very prevalent in our community. Someone will say, you know, I want to memorize the Qur'an. So, what, what they then are doing is that they're waiting for the ability or the opportunity to be able to drop everything, put their life on hold completely and totally, and then be able to go to Egypt and then memorize the Qur'an there. Right? Sounds like a plan. But what are you doing in the meantime? And while that dream scenario, while they're waiting for that scenario to materialize, I'm not saying it's not possible, anything is possible for Allah. But while they're waiting for that scenario to materialize, they're doing absolutely nothing. And they placate themselves with, yeah, inshallah, inshallah, I'm working towards this. Inshallah, inshallah, I'm working towards this. And maybe they're sincere. I cannot judge anybody's sincerity. But the fact is, whether they're sincere or not is irrelevant because there's two things that you have to be careful with everything. There is the sincerity, you gotta be sincere. But then there is also the correct methodology. If I stood up for Salat al-Isha, if I stood up to pray Isha, and I prayed, you know, I prayed two rak'ahs, but I did four sajdas in every rak'ah, and all other kinds of wonkiness, right? And I'm like, but I'm sincere. No doubt. But sincerity is important. But the method in which you do it, also needs to be correct. And so while I might be sincere in this goal that I have, but I'm approaching it all wrong. I'm not doing it the way Allah told me to do it. Because Allah is telling us, do what you're capable of today. So if what I can do is, 
I can start memorizing one line a day. That's it. No more, no less. One line. And that becomes in immediately intimidating. Because how many tens of thousands of lines is that? And it becomes intimidating. So we're like, what is that going to do? It's not even a drop in the bucket. That's not even going to make a dent. And we start doing all the math and the calculations and all that. But the problem is that we're doing math like we're doing math, math, calculator math, spreadsheet math. But with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's a totally different kind of math that works. And what we need to do in that moment is put our faith and trust in Allah. I'm just going to do what Allah told me to do. I'm going to put one foot in front of the other and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of the rest. Allah told Musa alayhi salam, everyone's trapped. The Bani Israel, the people with Musa alayhi salam, the Israelites, they said, Ya Musa inna lamudrakun, we're stuck. We're dead. And Allah told Musa alayhi salam, you walk into the water as far as a human being can go. And then you strike the ocean with your staff and say the name of Allah. And that's what Musa alayhi salam did. Do what you are capable of doing. When the Prophet ﷺ was making the hijrah, he was migrating from Mecca to Medina. His house was surrounded by dozens and dozens of people, men that had gathered there to assassinate him. To kill him in the middle of the night. To murder him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded the Prophet ﷺ to walk out and pick up some dirt from the ground and say, Bismillah, and throw it. And he read the verse from Surah Yasin, وَجَعَلْنَا مِن بَيْنَ يَدِيهِمْ سَدَّى وَمِن خَلْفِهِمْ سَدَّى فَأَغْشَيْنَاهُمْ فَهُمْ لَا يُبْصِرُونَ that Allah put a barrier in front of them and a barrier behind them and then we covered them and then they could not see a thing. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the Prophet sallallahu It was not you, it was not, you were not by yourself when you picked up that dirt from the ground and you threw it but rather Allah was with you. You do what's in your capacity and then Allah will take you the rest of the way. Allah will make the impossible possible. Allah will make miracles occur for you. But you have to do what's in your capacity. So again, that doing what's in your ability and then being grateful to Allah for the ability that, Oh Allah, I would love to drop everything and go seven days a week, 10 hours a day, memorize the Quran, study the Quran. I'd love to do that. And I still pray and ask and hope that you will grant me the ability to do that. But in the meanwhile, you have given me five minutes a day. And I will take that opportunity and I will make the most of it and I will thank you for it every single day. After those five minutes are over, I will say thank you, Ya Allah, for giving me this ability, for giving me this opportunity and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make miracles happen. Allah will make remarkable things happen. You do what's in your capacity and Allah will take you the rest of the way. And so being grateful to Allah is a way to maintain your blessings and to increase your blessings. Now, let's get into some of the more nitty-gritty of this. Okay? Blessings are of two types. Dunyawiyah wa diniyah. You have your worldly blessings and you have your ukhrawi, dinawi, dini blessings. You have your blessings related to your deen, your religion, your spirituality. And you have your blessings related to your everyday normal life functioning as a human being. For dunyawiyatu darban. But then Allah, the Imam Ghazali is explaining that your worldly blessings are also of two types. Ni'matu naf'in wa ni'matu dafi'in. This is where Imam Ghazali is going to help us expand our mind, broaden our perspective, understand exactly how blessed we actually are. You have blessings that benefit you, but you also enjoy many, many blessings that are protecting you. That are protecting you. Okay, so let's talk about the blessings that you benefit from. They are also of two types. Okay? Your physical blessings that you benefit from. And by the way, those are very, very easily overlooked. 
That's the, one of the most overlooked form of blessing. The blessings that you benefit from that are related to your physical well-being. When is the last time we actually stopped, reflected, and then thanked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for our eyesight? When's the last time? When's the last time? When was the last time that we actually stopped, we reflected, and we thanked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the ability to hear? And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Think about it. All the other physical blessings that we enjoy. When was the last time we actually stopped, we thought about it, reflected upon it, and then explicitly thanked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something so essential yet critical. Like I just mentioned, the ability to see, the ability to hear, the ability to speak. It's really, every single time I think about this, when I was reading this, I, I just become speechless. Right? Like just pure kind of like, you know, guilt or humiliation or embarrassment is not always a productive emotion. But at some level, sometimes it can be helpful because it snaps us out of our days, our worldly intoxication, just living life live in large, and we become like we're like intoxicated. That's how Allah describes the state of condition of people just living life. They're like intoxicated people. And so sometimes a little bit of this embarrassment or a little bit of this guilt can actually be very helpful because it can snap you out of it. And it just leaves me speechless to think about. When was the last time I thanked Allah for that? And I appreciate it. Such a profound blessing of Allah. And then there are blessings that we benefit from, from the things that Allah provides us. The food, what we eat, what we drink, our loved ones, family members, friends, you know, material blessings, the home we live in, the car we drive in, the money we have. All of those blessings. And those are, of course, extremely profound. And no matter how much we thank and we appreciate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We can never thank Him for those blessings. There's a very like core shaking, right? A narration that will send shivers down a person's spine if they really reflect on it. The Prophet said, That if Allah decided to really take someone to full account, every drop of water you ever received, every grain of food that you ever ate, every second of all the time that you had in your lifetime, all the strength, all the ability, all the resources, everything that you were given, if Allah decided to take any of us to account for all of that, فَقَدْ halak, We are doomed. Nobody would survive that. Nobody would survive that. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ taught us the dua, Allahumma hasibni hisaban yaseeran. Allahumma hasibni hisaban yaseeran. Oh Allah, reckon me, judge me with a very easy, kind, generous accounting. Be very kind and very generous with me, O oh Allah. Be easy with me, Ya Rabb. Now, ni'matu dafa the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that are more so about appreciating and understanding what Allah is protecting us from. And those are, of course, same thing of two types, obviously. Number one is in regards to, again, our person, ourselves. Think about how much Allah is constantly protecting us from harm coming to us. Allah is protecting us constantly. Health, physical well-being. Think about just uh, so many things that could happen. Right? All the time we hear about freak accidents and freak things that occur with people. I mean, we're not somehow magically immune to all of that. It's Allah protecting us every day, every second of every day. 
Do we stop and actually thank Allah? Like when I, things we take for granted. When we're done with the program and I'm going to drive home, five minutes, not a lot. But when I get home, do I thank Allah for allowing me to get back home safely? How many stories do we know? Somebody was just driving home from work, from school, from the masjid, and they never made it home. We know so many incidents like that. And we hear them, and in the moment we say, Oh, wow, subhanAllah, oh no, how tragic. And then for a little moment, there's a little sobriety. We're spiritually sober for like a little while, maybe a day or two. It feels very tragic. And then what happens? Business as usual. But having a regular regimen of stopping and reflecting on each step. This is all culminating to something, so everyone keep track of this. Okay? So thanking Allah for protecting us. Wathani, number two, is when Allah protects us from the harm that is outside of us and around us. Allah is constantly protecting us from danger and harm coming to us from any other, you know, any other place, from all directions. And that's why there's a dua of the Prophet that when you are driving on the road and you see like a really terrible car accident. Just again, I'm talking for myself, but I want everyone to really think about yourselves. Okay? What is my reaction in that moment? When I see that really horrific car wreck, what is my reaction? Dang! Whoa! Immediately. Right? Or just call, you won't believe what I just saw. That's a reaction. Stopping, rubbernecking, right? Trying to cause another car accident. So, what's my reaction in the moment? The Prophet said that every single time you see something tragic that has occurred, you know what you should say? Alhamdulillah. And it's a longer supplication, but it's so profound and so powerful that it begins with Alhamdulillah. You thank and praise Allah. Alhamdulillah alladhi that the all praise belongs to the one Afani who protected me. Mimma from that which ibtalaka bihi that he has tested you with, my brother, my sister. That's what we should say in that moment. Thanking Allah, remembering to thank Allah. Now, those were all of our worldly blessings. So now start to stack that together and add that up. Okay? So the blessings that we enjoy, that we benefit from, in our physical self, like we talked about some examples, eyesight, hearing, etc. And then the blessings that we enjoy from external Food and drink and house and car and money and etc. etc. The people. And then there are the blessings of where Allah is protecting you from something bad. Constantly. Again, in our physical self. And then also from around us. Protecting us from the harm that could afflict us from outside. And we have to learn to be grateful for that. For all of those things. So think about now how that radically changes the way you live your life. And it's not a lot. It's not tedious. It's not cumbersome. Right? It's not like I have to sit down and read a whole juz or something. But it's just that I'm replacing a lot of my random daydreaming with just reflecting on the blessings of Allah. I'm replacing now all the nonsense that I'm probably talking about half the day because I just need to fill the space with something. I'm replacing that with some dhikr of Allah. I'm saying, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. I'm thanking Allah. The time where I'm kind of, you know, and everybody needs a little downtime. It's understandable. We're all human. So, you know, at the end of a long day, when I go and I just sit down on the couch, and I just need a little bit of just doing nothing and just time by myself, me time, right? Um, and I just take my phone and I'm just scrolling and doing whatever. Like that's a time where again, I just sit back, I just close my eyes, 
And I'm just reflecting and I'm thinking, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And it's so calming and soothing for the soul. We're all, from time to time, we have tough days, rough days, we're struggling, we're nervous, we're anxious, we're upset, we feel uneasy, something feels like it's off, something feels like it's wrong. Doesn't it sound like we're saying that every other day? Something feels off, something feels wrong. Incorporating this into our lives, very minimally, completely transforms a person's like presence, their spiritual temperament. It completely changes everything for the person. And now, the most profound thing, Our religious blessings, spiritual blessings. And they are, of course, again of two types. Ni'matul tawfiq wa ni'matul isma. And they're, probably we can already connect it together. It's pretty self-explanatory. Ni'matul tawfiq. أَنْ وَفَّقَكَ اللَّهُ أَوَّلًا لِلْإِسْلَامِ ثُمَّ لِلْسُنَّةِ ثُمَّ لِلْطَاعَةِ That they, it is the blessing of the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us Islam. That Allah allowed us to know who Allah is and to submit to Allah and to know this beautiful deen and beautiful religion. ثُمَّ لِلْسُنَّةِ And then to know who the Prophet ﷺ is. And to have the Prophet ﷺ in our lives. To have that example, that role model, all the blessings that come with knowing the Prophet And then the ability to be able to obey Allah. The ability to be able to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's what I was talking about earlier. The fact that we're sitting here in the house of Allah to remember Allah, to talk about Allah, and we're about to pray to Allah. What a profound blessing. Where, think about all the other places where this time could have been spent. Think about all the other things that one could be doing with their time. But this is what Allah gave us. وَنِعْمَةُ الْعِسْمَةِ أَنْعَصَمَكَ أَوَّلًا عَنِ الْكُفْرِ وَالشِّرْكِ ثُمَّ عَنِ الْبِدْعَةِ وَالضَّلَالَةِ ثُمَّ سَائِرِ الْمَعَاصِي And then the fact that Allah protected us, the blessings of protection, spiritual protection, that Allah protected us from falling into disbelief, or shirk, associating partners to Allah. And then Allah protected us from having the wrong role models, and having the wrong principles, and the wrong ideals, and the wrong values. Not the values of the Prophet what we call the sunnah, but having the wrong values. And then the fact that Allah protected us from disobeying Him. وَإِن تَعُدُّوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْسُوهَا And that's where Allah again is saying, that if you even tried, and this is, you know, mubalaghatan, this is not actually telling us to try, but Allah is informing us, even if you did try, هذا إنشاب معنى الخبر, لو عديتم النعم لما تحسوها, that even if some foolish human being tried to make a list, started a spreadsheet, of listing out with the goal. This could be a good exercise for a person in terms of gratitude, and I'll get there. But if the goal of the person was, I'm going to list out all the blessings of Allah. I'm going to make a definitive list of all the blessings of Allah. You are not capable of doing it. The creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who made us, the one who made everything, the one who knows us better than we know ourselves, the limitless one. He says, you cannot do it. It is impossible. And that's why that verse of the Qur'an that talks about that if all the trees of the earth became pens and all the oceans of the, wa- of the world became ink and that's why some of the scholars explained and then you started writing the words of Allah. Some of the scholars say that is referring to the blessings of Allah. That if you started writing the blessings of Allah, Allah said all the ink would run out and then Allah would replenish, fill up all the oceans of the world again with ink and you could try to continue doing it. Again, all the oceans would finish and you still would not be done writing down the blessings you have in your life. That's how blessed we are. And now, all of this comes together. The thing that unlocks all of 
everything we've talked about here today is gratitude. Is gratitude to Allah. Now, there's one more thing that I want us to understand here. There are two words in the Arabic language that are very interesting. And both words occur in the Qur'an. Alhamdu wa shukru. And we kind of use them interchangeably. Alhamdu wa shukru. And we use them very interchangeably. Even though technically hamd means to praise, shukr means to be grateful. Okay? But there is a very profound distinction between them. And al-ulama farraqu bayna alhamdi wa shukr. There is a difference. There is a distinction between hamd, praise, shukr, gratitude. What is the difference? Okay, hamd. How do you actually perform hamd? You praise Allah, which is what means you say the praises of Allah. You say tasbih, subhanallah, glory be to God. You say la ilaha illallah, there is no one worthy of worship except for Allah. You say alhamdulillah, all the praise belongs to Allah. You say Allahu Akbar, Allah is greater than everything. Right? So hamd, expressing that praise, is actually the external part. It's the external act, it's what you say. It's what you say. Shukr, which means gratitude, how do you define gratitude? Well, that's the thing. Gratitude is the internal aspect. You are either internally grateful or you're not. Right? And here's the interesting thing. Someone can praise someone without being grateful. And that has a historical precedence. It's a really heavy thing. Okay? It's a really heavy thing. But the historical precedence for that, it's called nifaq, hypocrisy. There were plenty of hypocrites in Medina. There were hypocrites in Medina. And they came to the masjid, and they stood up, and they prayed, and they recited, and they said all the adhkar, and they did all the tasbih, and they said alhamdulillah, they did all that, but internally there was no gratitude. There was no gratitude. But the interesting thing is, if a person has gratitude, they inevitably will praise. They inevitably will praise. Because it's internal. It can't be held down. It can't be contained. It is the nature of the person. It's the internal orientation of the person. And it's inevitably going to come out. In their actions, in their speech, in their behavior, in how they, what they do, in how they spend their time, in how they interact with people. It's inevitable. And that's why Allah says in the Qur'an, وَقَلِيلٌ مِّنْ عِبَادِيَ الشَّكُورِ There's actually very few of my servants, Allah says, who are actually grateful. Very few of my servants are actually grateful. Allah says. In another place, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran says, However, most people are not actually grateful. And Allah is not talking about the fact that they just don't praise, they don't say thank you. But very few people are actually grateful. It's akin to the same thing of like someone smiling in your face as opposed to somebody really respecting you. And you know the difference. You know the difference when you interact with it. You don't think Allah knows what's inside our hearts? Are we actually grateful? Or are we just going through the motions? That's what this whole discussion here, that's what it's been about. For us to stop going through the motions. We're not breaking any new ground here. We all know, generally speaking, what we should and shouldn't do. But the whole point, this whole exercise is about, I know what I should be doing, but am I actually doing it or not? It's to change that internal understanding. It's to make that internal connection. It's to correct what's wrong internally. 
And what, what's external will start to fall into place automatically. So this is something very important that we have to think about, and that is the differentiation between just saying thank you, which is important, we got to start somewhere, but then being really truly grateful internally, and that internal gratitude cannot be achieved unless and until we give it some thought, we really reflect on our blessings, that exercise we were talking about in the beginning. We start to spend our days more and more thinking about all the blessings we enjoy. And we actively start to stop and reflect on it and ponder on it. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk about is the next level. The next level. And the way that Imam Ghazali approaches this next level is by asking a question. Okay? We know that when, and y'all have gone through one of the hurdles of patience in the face of adversity and difficulty. Okay? But the question he asks is that, does gratitude have anything to do with difficulty and adversity? Does gratitude have a role to play in tragedy? And he points out something. He says that when you look in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about many great people. Nuh alayhi salam, innahu kana abdan shakura. That indeed Nuh was a very grateful servant of God. And look at how much tragedy Nuh salam dealt with. He preached to his people for 950 years, and aside from about 80 some odd people, as mentioned in the authentic narration, bid'a'un wa thamanin, aside from 80 some odd people, everybody else disbelieved and rejected his message. And he witnessed his own son perishing. His own wife betrayed him. Imra'ata Nuhin. Allah talks about her in the Qur'an. She, his own wife betrayed him. So think about how much tragedy he dealt with. And Allah says he was a very grateful servant. And then Allah tells us, Ibrahim Look at the test and the trials of Ibrahim He's thrown into a fire. They tried to burn him alive for believing in Allah. He had to leave his family in the middle of the desert. He, had to, he was told by Allah to sacrifice his son. Look at how much difficulty Ibrahim goes through. And Allah says, Shakir Ali Anuumihi, he was extremely grateful. The Prophet said, I would rather appreciate my blessings than just simply maintain patience. It's a higher level of thinking. And this is actually explained to us by the great companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhumah, he says, مَبْتُلِيْتُ بِبَلِيَّةٍ Whenever I am tested in any way, what I focus on, إِلَّا كَانَ لِلَّهِ تَعَالَى عَلَيْهَ فِيهَا أَرْبَعُ نِعَمٍ Every single time a difficulty comes upon me, I recognize and I realize that there are four blessings of Allah even in my suffering. There are four blessings of Allah even in my tragedy. What are they? Number one, lam takun fi dini. At least Allah did not test me in my deen. Allah could have taken my Islam away. Like, again, it's easy for me to use this as an example, but God forbid, and may Allah protect everyone. But if somebody even lost their eyesight, He's saying the person should be reflecting on, well, at least Allah did not take away my iman. Allah did not take away my Islam. Number two, At least it was not even a greater blessing. It could have been much worse. And that's the thing that oftentimes we scoff at. We don't like to hear that. Right? Something happens, and someone's trying to make us feel better. And sometimes it's somebody very wise, very experienced. And what do we say? And what did they say? They say it could have been much worse. Alhamdulillah, it could have been much worse. And now 
if I think back to how agitated I get. But that's true. It could have actually been much worse. Number three, At least I did not lose my relationship with Allah. I am still pleased with Allah. I have the ability to say Alhamdulillah. And number four, And number four is, I know in that moment, I know in that moment Allah will reward me for this. So I just scored big. I scored huge. That I, a deposit was just made for me in the bank of the Akhirah. That blessing is in every single moment of suffering. Four blessings. That number one, it was not my faith that was tested. Number two, it, was, it could have been much worse. Number three, I'm still pleased with my Lord. And number four, that Allah will reward me for this. I know that for a fact because Allah promised it. Wallahu la yukhliful mi'ad. And Allah will never break His promise. Allah will always keep His promise to you. So it's actually very, very profound. And you know, we talk about patience. You know what the secret is? Imam Ghazali, in his geniusness, he unlocks the secret. He says, the only one who can really truly be patient is the one that's grateful to Allah. Otherwise, you're faking it. If you're not actually grateful to Allah and you're like, yeah, 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 alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. And like it takes like 30 seconds and you're like, this sucks. And then all the patience is gone, out the window. But to be truly grateful, to, to be really patient and strong in the face of difficulty and adversity, you have to be grateful. You have to appreciate all the other blessings that you have around you. That's the only way to actually be grateful to Allah. Or be patient and be strong. فَعَسَىٰ أَن تَكْرَهُ شَيْئًا وَيَجَعَلَ اللَّهُ فِيهِ خَيْرًا كَثِيرًا Allah said that sometimes you're going to deal with things that you will dislike those situations so severely, but only for Allah to put a lot of good for you in that situation. SubhanAllah. That Allah will grant you such profound blessings that it will blow your mind. And so to... Wrap up and to conclude here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us a dua in the Qur'an. And this dua has always fascinated me because of how powerful and beautiful it is. And if you really reflect on and think about the meaning of it, um, it's just... It's such a meaningful dua. We just need to really think about it and reflect it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us this dua in the Quran. Rabbana, our Lord, our Master. And the word Rabb, it's representative of, Rabb is the one who created, the one who sustains, the one who maintains, the one who guides, the one who nourishes, the one who takes care of. All that meaning is built into the word Rabb. Rabbana. So it's really a moment whenever we say Rabbi, Rabbana, we should always kind of pause when we say it and just start thinking about all the blessings of Allah that we enjoy. And in this moment, it's specifically about the spiritual blessings. The fact that we are gathered here, again I say, we're gathered here in the house of Allah to remember Allah, to pray to Allah. Rabbana. La tuzigh qulubana. La tuzigh comes from the word zaygh. Zaygh means for something to go off track. Like think of like a train on its tracks. If a, tra- a train becomes derailed, that's called zaygh. La tuzigh. Do not derail. Do not derail what? Qulubana, our hearts. Do not derail our hearts from the track of guidance. After you have given us guidance. I didn't get here by mistake. I didn't get here by accident. I didn't even get here of my own accord. I didn't get here because I'm worthy or deserving of it. I'm so awesome. I'm so special. No. I'm only and solely here because Allah brought me here. 
I'm only here because Allah invited me. Only here because Allah allowed me to be. So Allah, you guided us. So we beg you, we ask you, that after you have given us the sweetness of this faith, the ability to remember you, once you've allowed our hearts to, to experience that tranquility of sitting and talking about you, listening to the speech about you, to be able to pray to you and remember you, basking in your glory, receiving your mercy, your sakinah, your tranquility, your guidance, right? Like the hadith of the Prophet says, Whenever people gather together in the masjid and they remember Allah, tranquility descends upon them. Mercy covers them. وَحَفَّتْهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ The angels surround them. وَذَكَرَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَنْ عِنْدَ And Allah brags about them to the angels. Allah brags about them to the angels. So, O oh Allah, after you gave us this ability, please, never derail our hearts ever again. وَهَبْ لَنَا And grant us the gift. Hab comes from the word hiba. Alright? It's not just a Desi girl's name, Okay? It means hiba. Hiba means a gift. Okay? Wahablana. And grant us as a gift. Grant us what as a gift? Milladunka, especially from you. You know what this milladunka, especially from you? As opposed to from who? We're obviously asking Allah, why do we say especially from you? Milladunka. Because milladunka, especially from you, what that actually means is, I am not worthy or deserving of this gift. I'm in no position to ask. You've already blessed me so much and I haven't been very grateful and I haven't been very good but you've taken care of me. You've brought me to this point and I got one more thing to ask you, O oh Allah. Shower me with your mercy. Gift me your mercy. Grant me your mercy. Be merciful to me. Be kind to me, my Lord. إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْوَهَابِ And I feel 100% confident asking you for this. Why? إِنَّكَ Because indeed you, O oh Allah, أَنْتَ And only you are الْوَهَابِ You are the endless, the limitless grantor of gifts. You have no limit. You have no limitation. So keep granting me your gifts. Is it possible for me to be more blessed than this? For me to have more worship and more remembrance of Allah and more spirituality and more righteousness in my life, is that possible? It absolutely is possible. And that's what we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we specifically ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us grateful and to grant us gratitude. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. So with that, inshallah. Um, yeah, I wanted to mention one more thing, if I may. Kind of a practical thing, I just feel like it's very important to have practicality in a lot of these kinds of conversations and discussions. So a practical kind of exercise, some homework, if you will. All right? I'm that guy, right? <laughs> Sheikh Mikhail's a nice guy. He's like, good job, everybody. A for showing up, right? A for effort, right? I'll give you homework, right? Um, very simple. And not in the vein of what we were talking about earlier. Because when Allah said you can never fully enumerate all the blessings of Allah, that's somebody who tries to like challenge the authority of God. Not in that way. But in a beautiful way. Every day, have kind of like a little note in your phone. Or like a little notebook. By the side of your bed. Or on your kitchen counter. Every day, write down three unique blessings of Allah. And that's that moment where you stop and you thank Allah. And the next day, challenge yourself to write down three different things. And then another three things, another three things, another three things. And keep on going as an exercise to broaden your mind, to open your heart. And the remarkable thing is, you'll never struggle to think of three things. Isn't that amazing? You'll never ever struggle to think of three things. New, three new things every single day. And so much more. If you can do more, do more. But at the same time, start with that. Something sustainable. But do it every single day. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us gratitude. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala count us amongst His grateful servants. 
Amin ya Rabbil Alamin.